Thinking with Raj Gandhi. Episode 4 The Chief Financial Officer. In this series of podcasts, Raj Gandhi has been examining the roles of the Board of Directors. Any board should be a cabinet of all the talents which moves a company forward. Raj has 25 years' experience as a business consultant, coach, and mentor. In this episode of the Forward Thinking Board, he analyzes the person with their hands on the purse strings, the chief financial officer. So what exactly is financial leadership? Essentially, when we talk about financial leadership, we're talking about exuding confidence to display that you have a grip on the finance. So the ultimate test is, are you providing a safety net to the company during a downturn? And that safety net could mean perhaps enough cash buffer, enough uh, leeway for the business to survive through a difficult period. So how might you articulate financial leadership? Well, you may have a roadmap which sits beneath the company's strategy and it supports the strategy. So when a company is decided on its vision and mission statements, the finance director or the CFO puts into place a financial strategy that supports delivery of that. And the budgeting and the forecasting is outcome-driven to the extent of meeting the outcomes that the strategy requires. And when we talk about event-driven forecasts, we talk about any new events which could put the company on a different path, which require equivalent and careful monitoring and charting of the path forward. Don't ignore for a moment the soft side to it. You know, you have to come across influential and persuasive. And I know a lot of finance chiefs feel lacking in this area. Is it the default position, though, of CFOs to be risk-adverse? They're the ones who've got their hands on the purse strings. Well, I think uh, the default position might be perhaps a little bit too strong a way of putting it. But they are certainly the ones that can spoil a party in the boardroom. I was, I was trying to avoid using the phrase party pooper, but that's what <laughs> sprang, sprang to mind. Well, it, it, that's not too far removed from the reality because they're regarded as the right-hand person to the CEO. And so in many cases... They are the ambiguous leaders. They do uh, dictate the outcome of a proposal and they may dictate that dependent on the finances. So while the rest of the boardroom and the CEO may actually like a particular project, it might be the finance team and the CFO who may have reservations. And that's often interpreted as being a little bit too heavy on the numbers and losing focus of the commercial realities. Uh, hence the word, the bean counter. If you're a CFO, how can you help shape your organization's response to a crisis and a recovery and a transformation? First of all, you need to be forward thinking. And you need to be ahead of the questions that might be asked of you in a boardroom. And I mean difficult questions. And it's your job to push back and challenge on the strategy from the first instance. So in other words, if the strategy is lacking in how it might be measured, then you you make your job increasingly difficult. So I urge all CFOs to put a huge amount of effort at the strategic planning stage to challenge how we're going to deliver and monitor and measure. And then the rest of the work becomes quite easier because when you have a difficult conversation in the boardroom, you can always turn to the strategy and say, well, what we're planning may not be in accordance with what we set out to do in the first place. 
So in many ways, the CFO can use the strategy as a defense mechanism to encourage the boardroom to think along the same lines or, if required, to change the strategy. And that's far easier than to be seen as the bad guy or the bad woman in the boardroom. I think the CFO can do themselves a huge favor by thinking risk, by thinking forward and giving the right intelligence to the boardroom, not just past performance, but how a decision may be impacted on. Now, ultimately, the finance chief's role is to reassure the board on imperatives, for example, cash, risks, etc. So how would you go about giving such reassurances? Having been in a position myself as a CFO and having worked at many other organizations in a senior role, I think it's incumbent upon the CFO to have a bit of a headroom in terms of financing. So when they are negotiating funding, make sure you have a buffer in place so that not only do you satisfy the core requirement in terms of money, but you have a little bit to lean on during unexpected times of cash needs. Another thing the CFOs can do is think risk and be very clear on what are the financial risks that will impact on performance. So here I'm thinking about market risks like uh, volatility, changes in interest rates or changes in currency rates or even changes in the price of oil, commodity price risks. And I think if the CFO can give the boardroom assurance that they're in control of this critical, crucial areas, and they are able to articulate without any jargon, that would be a huge stride for any CFO. One criticism that's often been levelled at chief financial officers is that they're not providing appropriate financial or commercial insights into future trends. So how could this be addressed? Yes, you touch on um, certainly areas that CFO and the finance director can certainly make a mark So historically, they're very good at reporting past performance. They're not very good at always looking at trends and looking at perhaps non-financial KPIs, things like orders in pipeline, customer complaints. And also, they're not very good at giving enough intelligence to the boardroom on the commercial aspects of the business. Perhaps what's the competition doing out there? So the reporting can certainly be enhanced to take care of benchmarking, to take care of forward-looking statements like these are the emerging risks and what we might do to mitigate them. And I think it's important that the CFO reports in a way that encourages thinking in terms of calls to action, which is a huge mind shift from what they've been doing so far. A lot of financial leaders want to become more influential and more persuasive Where does this concern come from? It's an historic concern and very sadly it's one that finance directors have struggled to make strides on. I think ultimately it's down to the professional training and the training is very much focused on complex technical areas and the need to be very task driven. And as much as a good, solid financial expert, if you like, a CFO is able to deliver on counting standards and meet the targets, deliver some numbers around that, they haven't always had the training to articulate that to non-financial people. And that area is much overlooked. So when I'm training to all the finance directors and CFOs, a very recurrent question is, show me how to become influential and persuasive. And my answer is very much towards, well, know your audience, 
know what their likes and dislikes are and tell them a story of finance. But be sure that you are saying it in a manner that is attuned to what is expected of you and, and take it from there. Now, finance leaders are expected to recruit and retain high caliber teams. I mean, why is this particularly important now? And how are you going to motivate and successfully manage these teams? A question often asked of me is, how do I tackle multiple responsibilities? Given today's world, there is more, more expectations of the finance chiefs. And therefore, it's important that the finance director has underneath them a team that they can delegate to and rely on. So this requires trust from the CFO and the FD right the way through to the, to the people who work for them. And therefore, it's important that when you recruit somebody, you don't recruit them just on what they have written down on the CV. My advice is to put them under a stress in the interview and ask them questions that perhaps your department is tackling at that point and get the interviewee out of the comfort zone. And that will tell you a lot about their attitude and their knowledge and their agility than looking at a CV will. Ultimately, you're as good as the team that works for you. So learn to delegate, learn to have a good high-performing team such that even the boardroom and the CEO feels happy to go directly to them because they trust them as well. What's your key takeaway from all this then? Don't overlook the soft skills. You must learn to become influential, become persuasive, take soft training on uh, presenting, be succinct with substance. In other words, have a financial strategy that you can talk about at each board meeting. Don't go into your board meetings knowing everything about numbers in the company. You just can't do that. But be aware of maybe five, six, seven touch points that the boardroom expects you to talk about and give them assurance you're in control. Go and speak to the difficult board members beforehand so that you know what they're expecting and learn tactics to deal with difficult conversations in the boardroom. Raj Gandhi was talking to Andrew Vincent. You can find out more on forward thinking in the boardroom by visiting ggvlondon.com. In episode five, Raj talks about the non-executive director. Non-executive directors are being held to account quite a lot for not asking the right questions. So my advice to a lot of non-exec directors is go out there and get some training on this area. Thank you.